Hi, it's Taylor. Quickly jumping in before the episode starts to let you know that we've changed our name and are now Sisters Assemble. You can find our updated social handles in the show notes. Enjoy the show! Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Let's Talk Marvel Fan Theories podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Katie, and we're two sisters and borderline obsessed Marvel fans who have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe closely for years. And now we want to share our MCU discussions with you. We chat about our own predictions and theories, plus some of our favorites from online, and our reactions to all of the Marvel content that's considered MCU canon, including the Disney Plus shows and the movies, as well as the Marvel news you need to know. Listeners, we are here ready to talk all about She-Hulk episode four this week. We had another pretty short episode. I know Katie and I thought it was kind of light on content this week, but we still have a pretty good show for you. So excited to dive in. Katie, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, I mean, you kind of already said my general thought, and we were kind of talking briefly prior to recording. And I love the show, I love what it's giving, and I like the episode. It just, as far as, like, if I have two glasses that I'm trying to fill when I watch this show, one being just funny, entertaining, like, I'm I'm having a good time watching it, and the other one being Marvel content, and it furthering its own plot along with furthering Marvel as a whole, I would say I was filled to the brim with my comedic and funny and entertaining side, And I maybe had, like, a drop or two in that Marvel side. And I think while I thoroughly enjoyed watching it, when I finished, I kind of just was like, oh, we didn't get a ton out of this episode. Like, a lot happened, but not, like... You know what I'm saying? It, it, I don't know how to, I don't know how to describe it other than that. Yeah. I know, like, for me, when Jen was saying, oh, it's the end of the episode, like, what a bummer to let, like, leave it on. I was like, what do you mean it's the end of the episode? Like, yeah. where's the meat? Like, it was funny. It was entertaining. I will say, like, I enjoyed seeing her fight for the first time, like, truly fight. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool. So I really enjoyed that and getting to see kind of her powers in action. You know, we saw her a little bit against the Wrecking Crew, but I think we really got a nice extended long fight scene this time. I also enjoyed seeing her team up with another Marvel superhero when she was fighting with Wong. So that definitely stood out to me. I kept trying, you know, you were saying, I can't understand or I didn't get the kind of Marvel buildup or the the furthering of the the universe or even really the the Marvel portion of the plot in this episode. And I kept trying to find something deeper in what Wong was saying about the dimensions Same. and the universe. Yeah. But it just kind of confused me more about how we use those terms and what they really mean. I know we've gone on rants about trying to understand the difference between them. Are they synonyms? I think it's becoming more and more clear that they're not the way he's used them in this show, but I still don't understand the difference, especially when you relate it to the visualization we got in What If. So I think that's really kind of the meatiest part of this episode in terms of like larger MCU ramifications is, you know, more hints at kind of that overarching structure between a dimension, a universe, a timeline, even though timelines weren't mentioned, but like how all that kind of fits together in the wider, you know, moving towards that multiverse saga and that secret wars. Yeah, I mean, I also was sitting there as Wong was talking, actively trying to find that deeper meaning and obviously we did get from last episode that confirmation that 
we haven't yet had Multiverse of Madness take place. So my brain kept trying to almost factory reset itself. I mean, okay, so we haven't gotten this yet. Is there going to be a drop of a clue about that? Is he going to say something that because we've seen MOM now, we're kind of like, ah, because we're just kind of like, oh, that comes true or something. Like I, I kept sitting here waiting a little bit for something to happen. And then it just sort of didn't. And I think I kept waiting for that shoe to drop. Same with even, I think the biggest thing in my opinion that we got from all of this was that we had Titania kind of come back into the fold. And so I think that was probably the biggest immediate part to me at that very end is clearly she's coming back into this. We're going to see her again, which we figured we would. Yeah, you know, I definitely think the Titania part is interesting. Obviously, it's kind of set up as the cliffhanger for the episode leading us into episode five. I will say, though, like, yes, I know Jen is a lawyer, but in the grand scheme of things, having her kind of, like, serve her papers and, like, that's kind of their origin story as nemeses was kind of, like, bleh. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that seemed kind of, like, okay, you couldn't jazz that up a little. Like, I don't know if maybe I'm just, like, feeling not so shiny about this particular episode, so I'm a little more sensitive to it. But I definitely thought, like, oh, that's, like, what's gonna be their big thing, is that, like, she's suing her for trademark infringement. Like I said, I get Jen's a lawyer, but really? Yeah, I mean, so like I said, I think this is definitely the meatiest out of the continuation, and it did allow me to notice something, and that something being... This show is set up now that I've had four episodes to look at this in a way of one to two bleed together, two to three bleed together, three to four bleed together, and now four to five is going to bleed together. So obviously, you know, the first episode we have the Hulk in both of them kind of being a guidance to her. Not as much in the second because they were wrapping up that area. And then, you know, two to three, we we sat there and had the Abomination storyline Three to four, we had Wong, and now we're having Titania come back. She's introduced at the end. I'm assuming this is going to be the big part of the fifth episode. Is this going to continue, then, is my other end to that part of the question. Is, like, are we going to see the next five episodes be all about Titania and how this is going to correlate, maybe having some minor underlings and storylines going on, maybe? Or is this going to, once again, wrap up Titania? And then to your point, like... With them, is this how they become nemesis? I'm kind of like, yeah, that's weird. Like, I got kind of at the, and to be fair, she probably has a very sour taste in her mouth about being knocked out when she first, you know, comes into the, the courtroom. So she probably already doesn't really like her. But for this to kind of, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you got to look at it and be like, she's being petty right now, and then it's just going to escalate until later. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it'll escalate. Like, I don't think it's just going to be a courtroom battle. Like, these girls are going to go head-to-head physically, for sure. I guess I just thought to kick it off, really, like, yes, they had their little 30-second battle royale in the <laughs> in the courtroom in episode one, but, like, to really kick off their actual formal battle, you know, this way I just caught, thought was kind of a little anticlimactic. I don't know, that disappointed me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, especially, and this is just me getting in the weeds, she isn't <laughs> calling herself She-Hulk. Other people are. So, like, I kind of sit there and I'm like, how do you physically have a case? Yeah. Because, like, you can't really sue somebody who's not calling themselves that. Like, I could call, you know, you Black Widow all I want. But, like, 
that doesn't mean you're using the name yeah to like bring yourself you know what I mean so I I guess I also that was just maybe an in the weeds thing but I also just was a little thrown off by that because I was like I feel like that's a really loose oh it's a flimsy argument at best yeah so it, it just it all around just felt a little like okay to an already kind of like okay episode and and I did find it entertaining you know I loved Wong being in it and I want to talk a little bit about him just being there. I think him and Madison. Oh my gosh. I love them as I a duo like, so much what? and I don't know why. I just, Wong attracts the funniest people in, in my opinion. So I just thought that entire plot line was hilarious. Like I'm actively engaged with it because he was so funny. But I do think, you know, like I was kind of saying with the format of these episodes, my opinion is this is the last we see of Wong in She-Hulk, very likely. I don't really see much more of a story coming from him. I really didn't even expect to see him from this episode, so I was glad we at least did. But to your point even earlier, the whole dimensions and whatever universes and blah, blah, blah he went on to talk about, I just was like, dude, I can't do this right now. <laughs> I thought this was a lawyer show. Like, I, I already can't handle, like, legal, dr- like, all that stuff. Please don't do it with me with that whole universe and everything else thing that you've got going on. I'm so confused. Yeah, I definitely was like, like I said, I was trying to analyze it and trying to like piece it together. And I was like, no, it does not make sense. Like these pieces do not fit together in a way that makes any sense to me. It's not working. Not that it's, like, not working, but, like, in my brain, it is not working. But, on the other hand, not relating to Wong and the universes and dimensions and him making my head hurt, I really enjoyed getting a glimpse into his watch list and the types of shows that he enjoys. Oh, my gosh. I mean... When I saw This Is Us, I was, like, I was literally dying, like, the episode with Jack dying, like, that was the episode where she was talking with all the kids behind her in black, was, like, the episode after he died, so I was, like, oh, my God, that's, like, and he's, like, holding the pillow, I was, like, yeah, we've all been there, Wong, like, we've all seen it, (laughs) so that just made me, like, so happy, I was, like, I really enjoyed, like, getting this little glimpse into, like, his, like, life, I think, too, like, we've talked previously about like the differences between him as as Sorcerer Supreme and Doctor Strange and this is more of like a personality thing but like Doctor Strange is so like Mr. Serious and like he's not you know he loosened up a little bit as time has gone on but like especially in his first movie he's like so you know regimented and serious and like not funny but like Wong is like so expressive and like listening to be like even at the beginning listening to Beyonce and now he's like watching This Is Us and he's just like so fun and so I really enjoyed like getting that perspective on him as well just even from like an entertainment standpoint it has nothing to do with like the wider MCU or anything like that but just a cool character beat yeah honestly I couldn't agree more and I think the other end of it for me was that I liked really seeing that I don't know if I liked it I guess wait let me backtrack on that I don't know if I liked it or I just like I liked that I could think about it but I didn't like actually having to think about it if that makes sense. But the whole trying to apply, like, our legal rules and laws and everything else to something such as Kamotage. Yeah. And and now that I said it, I think it makes a lot more sense as to why I'm sitting here. Like, I don't know if I like thinking about it, but I like that it opened the door to think about it because they're so different in realms. And when you're watching Doctor Strange, both of them at this point, and when you're watching 
the and being at Comertage and you're seeing all this, you're kind of just like, okay, this is like a league of its own. Like then she hulks out here. Well, do you have a? Did you did he sign like an NDA? Did he do this? Did he do that? And Wong's like, why would we ever do that? <laughs> like this is completely different. So I think it partially hurt my brain a little to have to try to open that door. But it was interesting to try to do it and then see it trying to be played out in the courtroom. Well, and I think that goes back so much to the essence of the character in the comics. Like, this is her literal job, to make the laws apply to superhumans, people with abilities, fancy magicians, like, all of that. Like, I don't know how often you guys, like, when you're waiting for the end credit scene, you, like, actually watch the sketches that pop up, like, during the music. But there is one where she's holding, like, an Avengers mug. And I was just thinking about, like, how maybe down the road, if this gets to season two, like, you know, we could actually see her defending Avengers. Like, can you imagine how she would have been when the Sokovia Accords were coming out? Like, that's such a fun thought process to have. All I thought of was Wanda. (laughs) (laughs) I was wondering why you were making that particular face. And I was like, I feel like what I'm saying is logical. But now I understand. But I just, I think it opens so many doors to even, like, what the essence of the character is. And I think this is really the first time we've seen Jen in the courtroom in a superhuman case. Yeah. I mean, other than, like, Blonsky, but, like, that was a parole hearing. It was a, like, little different. Like, he was obviously guilty. Whereas, like, this is the first time that we're really seeing her try to apply the law to an active case in which some sort of super human super ability is involved. And I hope we get to see more of it because, like I said, that's so much of who she is in the comics, to my understanding. And I think it just opens up a lot of really interesting storylines. And I know I don't want to make this about Daredevil, but just for a little bit of comparison, like he practices law as Matt Murdock. So it's not like we're even really, at least in the show, we're not even really seeing that angle, even though we've seen a lawyer before because he's trying regular people cases, you know, with the exception of when he goes up against Wilson Fisk. But at the end of the day, Wilson Fisk is also just a regular, you know, crime kingpin. He's not really got a ton of superpowers that he's flexing. We saw some in Hawkeye that I was a little surprised to see based on the other show, but that's neither here nor there just goes to show and just That'll to say be a daredevil discussion yeah and to say that like you know she's really the first lawyer that we've seen go at the superhero conundrum and how that relates to the law even though we've had other lawyers officially in the mcu before well i guess matt helps spider-man so but they never go to court so that's it's a little different i still say she hoax the first yeah but he also is helping him in the sense of He's still not sitting there like, I'm Daredevil. Yeah. Like, he's still mad, you know. Yeah, I think I like where this is going. And I guess my thing is, now that we've been introduced to the idea that Titania is going to be suing her, I don't really see episode five bringing us another one of these cases quite yet, because I see it being her defending herself. Yeah. Or any or something in that manner, that it's more her versus Titania, that it's going to be, you know, a case bubbles up that she's actually actively taking care of. But I mean, to your point with the Sokovian Accords and all that, like, there's a lot behind our heroes. I mean, not to be this person, but our current Captain America literally was on the raft and was broken out by our former Captain America, and then was on the run for multiple years. Yeah. So I don't mean to be that person, but even some of the, and I quote with quote hands, 
best of our best superheroes that are supposed to, you know, represent some of the certain things that you would think a superhero is supposed to represent. I mean, look at Steve himself. Have sort of a track record. They have a, a, you know, could could use a lawyer. So I would love to kind of see that. I think that would also wrap it a little bit more. And not that it hasn't been wrapped into the MCU, but I think it would, on a bigger scale, wrap it in with some of these characters, really put her on the map. I mean, imagine having a lawyer on your team when the Accords were going around. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, let's, like, play a little mind game where she goes, you know, we go back to 2016 and it's Civil War and we've got Jen Walters. Like, what side would she come down on? That'd be so interesting to me. I think she'd be on the Accord side, personally, on Team Iron Man, but... Well, here's my thing, though. She would at least read that thing front to back. Oh, for sure. Which, when you watch the film, and this I only know this because I had to do a lot of research on this, but when you watch the film, I don't feel that they describe them as much as they should. Yeah. And what's inside of them, what they entail. And so that's why, I mean, it's no secret, and I don't want to go off on a full tangent here, but it's no secret Taylor and I are both Team Cap, and there's reasons behind that as far as the Accords go, because when you actively look at them, there's a lot more than what the movies show us initially. Yeah. You kind of really got to research what was in the Accords. So I think it would actually be interesting to have gotten a lawyer's point of view of, like, what can you and can't you do? How does this control you? How does this immediately make something like a threat much harder to to maintain and handle like so i don't know but regardless i would love to see more of it and so i'm honestly starting to wonder where the show is going yeah i'm glad you said that because when you were talking about how each of the shows or each of the episodes kind of bleed into the next one and you were wondering oh does this mean they're gonna follow that or is titania gonna kind of be the quote-unquote big bad for the rest of the show i think immediately thought about the dangling plot thread of the Wrecking Crew and who their boss is. Because I want to know, because those theories we put out last week, I thought were pretty interesting, and they were kind of aligned with what people were saying online. So there's a lot of really cool ways they could go with that, and I really think that's kind of what we're working towards in the show, and Titania is kind of more of a distraction. I think having her back next week and kind of bringing us full circle to episode one is going to be a step in the right direction towards giving us that. I think, you know, episode five kind of being that, almost that, like, wedge piece, right? It's, like, literally the middle episode. It's something you don't have when we do those six episodes. Obviously, it's three and three, but usually in the middle, there's like a tipping point. Well, this episode, episode five, to me is going to be the tipping point. I think it's going to be where we finally start to get some real direction. And we've talked last week a lot about how it's kind of a sitcom format right now, where it's like each episode kind of has its own storyline, but then there's like others underneath. So I think kind of that Wrecking Crew uh, Titania storyline is definitely that like underneath one. And I think that's going to start to gain even more prominence as we move forward, especially after and through episode five, because I think right now it's just been fun and lighthearted for the most part, but we're going to really start to focus on kind of the main part, like What did Kevin want us to get out of this show? What was his goal with this show? I think that's going to start to really crystallize as we move through episode five. Yeah, I actually really agree because I feel up until now, we were getting Jen. Yeah. And I loved it because I did like that different perspective on a superhero. Seeing what being a superhero in regular life, going to a regular job and everything else. Even like we saw in this episode, and it was fun to watch, but like 
to, you know, what I was saying earlier with my two cups was the whole, like, dating thing and how no one cares about her as Jen, but She-Hulk and everybody was like, yes, swipe right. Like, we we want you. So I, I did appreciate watching that part of it, and I do kind of like how you were saying that that wedge is kind of coming with that fifth episode where I think we're finally going to see... And I don't mean finally as if I've been waiting with bated breath. I just mean I just think we're going to be moving a little bit more f- away from Jen and her lawyer show. Because I think that was something we got in the first episode. This is a lawyer show. This is not a superhero show. Yeah. And I think they've tried to keep it pretty, like, main focus, being a lawyer. We might get, like, a one-off superhero thing with the Wrecking Crew. Or, you know, in this episode when her and Wong were trying to put all those weird demon-looking Gorgons back where they came from. So I kind of was like, okay, but I think that episode five is that turning point of now we start to see the superhero end of it. Now we're seeing her turn more into the favor of the superhero. I'm not saying we're that she's like quitting her job. I just don't think we're going to as actively see that aspect and we're going to start seeing the other end. Because keep in mind, if we run with this Titania and the Wrecking Crew stuff, which I feel like we have to, I feel like when you introduce her in episode one and the first time we really hear something substantial about her is until the end of episode four again. I feel like if she's going to be one of the bigger aspects of this show, if you don't start that by episode five, what are you doing? Yeah. And then we have the Wrecking Crew, too, to your point, who we heard not a thing about other than the fact that she obviously didn't call the police. So that's a whole other aspect. Plus, on top of all this, we know Daredevil's coming. Yeah. So... I'm trying to put together these three pieces, and I think if we kind of continue on the track we're on, we're not really going to get a cohesive storyline. And to be fair, I'm starting to view the show as the first four episodes, and now watch me be totally wrong because it's not like I've seen the last five, but I'm feeling like the first four episodes are furthering other characters as well. I, I feel like the only reason we got episodes two and three was because we wanted to further Abomination so that he could be in Thunderbolts. I feel like even with Wong, we're getting those backgrounds of that gap. We're filling the gap between certain things and between, you know, even before MOM and everything else. So I feel like we're furthering his storyline to understand and see him even more as the Sorcerer Supreme. Now I feel like moving forward, we need to focus on She-Hulk as She-Hulk and her nemesis and Daredevil who's going to be in here and the people who are clearly after her. Like, I think... All the way back to that, the wedge five. I'm, I'm hoping that's like the slide. We're gonna, we've been climbing, and I'm ready to start to, to go down it smoothly. Yeah, and this isn't to say, you know, we've been very, very adamant about our love for this show, and I definitely still enjoyed this episode. I don't want to make it seem like I'm complaining or that I'm just like waiting for the next thing. I think it's been really fun. I do think out of all the episodes so far, this has to be my least favorite. But, you know, there's always one, right? Like, you have to have a least favorite. Hopefully, you know, from here, it continues to kind of build focus. Not that it hasn't been focused, but, like, really laser focus on exactly where we're going. And, like I said, that end goal. But it was still a very fun, entertaining episode. I related to a lot of it, which I think is one of my favorite things just about the show in general. Is like, so much of what Jen goes through, I'm like, oh, man, girl, I have been there and done that. Like, I've had that experience. So I thought I always just think that's so fun with her uh, more than any other character, I think, so far. So that was on full display this episode. So I will not complain about that in the slightest. No, I, I couldn't agree more. Everything about her is relatable. And that's why 
I, I wanted to do that, like, cup analogy because they fulfilled me fully. Like, the show itself was still, I enjoyed watching it. I was actively actually watching it when the queen passed away and Taylor texted me telling me that. So I had to, like, take a pause and be like, well, I can't be laughing at She-Hulk because the queen apparently just passed away. But, you know, I was sitting there watching it. I was enjoying it. And I was like, yeah. You know, I, I'm i still enjoying everything I'm watching. I just think there was that little voice in my head that was like, this is a Marvel show, and it. I feel like as far as the Marvel plot, it needs to do a little more. Like, if, if you took out that aspect, I would have been sitting here like, nice. This is giving me, like, any other sitcom vibe. Well, even just more so than the Marvel plot, I felt like the quote-unquote what we called the... It's not really the B-plot from last episode, but, like... We've talked about how in many sitcoms there's, like, the sitcom episode arc, and then there's, like, the overarching arc of, like, the season. You gave, like, the Chandler and Monica example, which I think is so good. We didn't really further She-Hulk's Chandler and Monica trying to get a baby storyline at all, outside of even, like, the whole idea of it being, like, more attached to the MCU, because I don't always need that. But even if we were just going to get, like, a little bit more on the Wrecking Crew or something like that. Like, yes, in the last, you know, minute, we got news that we're going to have Titania back next episode. Great. That was the last 10 seconds. And then you only really addressed the Wrecking Crew when her sweet old dad came over and was like, I'm going to protect you. And that made me chuckle because, you know, obvious reasons. But, you know, other than that, I didn't really feel like the overarching storyline was really addressed as much as I would have liked in this episode. So while it was entertaining as kind of like a standalone, like MOM, entertaining as a standalone, but like does not fit with the rest. I kind of felt that way. Not that it doesn't fit, but it just doesn't further anything else in terms of like larger storylines. Actually, yeah, I'm super glad you said that because I definitely when I was saying that little like MCU part, that is definitely, I guess, not what I was attempting to convey so I'm glad you kind of clarified that a little bit more because I definitely to your point I mean I love Moon Knight and we had pretty much not a single reference to anything from the MCU and that was fine like I don't need that but yes that is what doesn't sit right and to be fair her Monica and Chandler trying to have a baby storyline is what is technically her origin if you're running that storyline you're that's actually you know She-Hulk's first origin of like People are actively after her, you know, and this is all going on. And we, to what you said, didn't really get that part. This episode just kind of missed the slide down. I don't know. But it just didn't quite cover that enough that it just was like, okay, we didn't really, like, go much further than where we were last week there. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And actually, when you said that, as her origin story, it kind of sparked something in me, kind of like an analogy. Like, Jen likes to use She-Hulk almost like a party trick. Like, she uses it to get a job. Not that she can't. It's a part of her. Whatever. But she uses it to get a job. She uses it to get a date. But, like, she is really shying away from the more serious aspects about what stepping into that identity really means. And I think more and more it's becoming clear that that's what Bruce's point was and how, like, that fight that they had in episode one it's so much more clear now the way she views being She-Hulk and how she really does not want to be a superhero. She has 
zero desire to her. That's just fun little, like a parlor trick she can do to get a job or get a date. It's not going to be something she actively does. How much does she complain when she was fighting with Wong about those demons? Like, yeah, I would have complained too. They were kind of gross. But like, she just didn't even want to be there doing that, actively using her powers. But I think what we're going to see moving forward as well, and I think this is where we're going to especially see when Daredevil comes in just because of the nature of that character is we're going to see Jen realizing that being She-Hulk is way more than just a party trick. It comes with responsibility, whether she wants to take it on or not. It's like Hulk said, or Bruce said, I I can't just say Hulk now. Like Bruce said, you know, crap finds you when you're a Hulk. And she was was really like- just thinking that. Yeah, like, you're crazy. Like, it's fine. But like, it's already happening to her. And I think she's going to have a moment where she has to really sit down and say like, my life is forever changed. Like, I can no longer just act like this is just something I choose to do when I choose to do it. Like, it's going to be an active part of my life because I can't run from it just because of the way the world is. Yeah, I I totally agree. And that's why I kind of ping it as her origin in the sense of this is her having to accept She-Hulk and her. Yeah. And I think that's something we also are seeing kind of that inward struggle of she sees Jen as kind of just like, like, she doesn't, think poorly of Jen because she is obviously herself but like she isn't looking in the mirror and like I hate myself but she definitely feels lesser than when she's She-Hulk and she all of a sudden this confidence comes out of her and she definitely feels more comfortable and which is interesting because that's kind of her not original form (laughs) I guess and what's sad too is like you saying that about how she you know is less confident as Jen and like feels better as She-Hulk. What's sad, too, is, like, that's constantly reinforced, like, to her. Yeah. You know, that idea like that, dating. like... Yeah, like, she couldn't get any matches as Jen. Or the dude who straight up left in the morning when she was Jen and not She-Hulk. Exactly. Exactly. Or the fact that she couldn't get a job as Jen, but she could get a job as She-Hulk. Like, it's constantly, you know, reinvigorating that narrative in her head that she hoped the parlor trick, the thing that she became out of an accident, is better than Jen. And then it's interesting because she fights so hard to be Jen and to live her life as Jen. I'm not going to date as She-Hulk. I'm going to date as Jen. But then she gets these constant messages that Jen isn't good enough. And that's, like, really sad. Well, and honestly, all I think about when I'm seeing this kind of struggle going on is... That in the comics, eventually, She-Hulk, and I know I said this in the predictions episode, is exposed to more gamma radiation and eventually is permanently She-Hulk. And I almost wonder if while we're seeing this balancing trick she's trying to do, we're all... And I'm not... I don't entirely remember at one point, like, what the context of this happening is, but I also know she's a big player in Secret Wars, I would not be entirely shocked if this is her eventual, you know, outcome. Is that eventually we do see that she permanently becomes She-Hulk. Because I think this balancing act isn't going to last much longer. And if you think about it, more and more of these episodes, we're seeing her as She-Hulk. Yeah. She is She-Hulk more and more each time. So I'm, I'm really starting to see that, you know... And, well, to your point, it is reinforced, unfortunately, and it's it's sad to watch. I mean, that guy who straight up was like, who are you? I was like, bro, do you, do you know? Like, are you dumb? Yeah. Like, who do you think it is? Yeah. Like, what? And then he just was like, I guess I'll leave. I was like, what? So You're rude. such a butt. Yeah. Yeah. 
But, you know, you see stuff like that, and they are all reinforcing it, and I wouldn't be entirely shocked if she kind of just accepts She-Hulk fully, and who she is as She-Hulk 100%, and then eventually we, we see it come to fruition. But, I don't know, it, it's been an interesting episode, we're really doing that that dive into her character more and more each time, and I'll be intrigued to see what happens with her and She-Hulk's relationship of herself. Yeah, you know, I did not love this episode, but in a weird way, it actually made me really, really excited for what's to come, because I think it's almost like, you know, we're going to give you this really quiet episode, we're going to give you this, you know, just entertaining, but maybe not impactful episode in the terms of, like, moving the storyline along, like we said, but I think in some ways it's, like, prepping us for maybe a really good episode five. Like, I'm I'm really excited to see that kind of change. I'm excited to see what the back half of the show brings for us. And I'm just, you know, pumped to keep going. I think it's going to be a good one. And I, I still enjoy this show. I think it's so far still my favorite of all of them. And I'm I'm really excited for Daredevil, too. So I know with every episode we get closer. So I'm very much looking forward to that for sure. Yeah, my inner battle is just always constantly trying to figure out, like, where he's coming in. Because I, I wasn't entirely shocked. Well, one, we knew Abomination was going to be there. And we knew Wong. Well, okay, we obviously were confirmed all these guys in the trailer. But, like, Abomination, I was like, makes sense. She-Hulk. Bruce is her cousin. I don't even need a storyline to that. I know that that just makes sense by, like, this, what is it, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yeah. <laughs> or six degrees or whatever it is. Except in this case, it's literally two. Yeah. And then, you know, Wong, no, well, there's your third. Um, <laughs> Wong, then with Abomination. So I was like, okay, that also makes sense. Like, I, I can see where this all plays together. But the, other than them being lawyers and stuff, and to be fair, we see him in the Daredevil, like, his actual costume. In the yellow costume, which, yeah, just from, like, a tidbit from the show, the last we've seen Matt Murdock in the Daredevil costume, he doesn't wear it at all in season three. He's, like, given up on himself, and he doesn't wear it. He's back to wearing, like, the black mask and, like, black cargo pants he wears in season one before he gets the suit so we haven't actually seen him suit up since season two actually no sorry since the defenders when he gets a whole building dropped on him and everybody thinks he's dead so like then he comes out with not the same suit it's the yellow suit which i know people are freaking out about so i'm also curious to fill in those blanks because just as someone who's watched the show i don't know how matt got from point a to point b and potentially more importantly I understand logistically how he could possibly get to Los Angeles, but why would he be there is, like, my bigger question, because, as I've said a million times, Matt, like, sleeps, breathes, bleeds, smells New York all the time. That's his thing, specifically Hell's Kitchen. He loves New York, and so, like, it would be weird for me to have him in L.A. No, I I, I agree. I think... And I know we talked about this in predictions episode, like, the only thing that sets them together is being lawyers. So they do make sense in the long run, but to my point, he's suited up. He's not coming on a business call. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's coming for who knows what, which is why I think we're reaching that bigger culminating point soon of who Titania might be working for. Because we don't, that, that's a working theory for us. That's not really confirmation, but we know the Wrecking Crew is working for someone we threw out Kingpin last episode. 
I mean, I know we've thrown out Doctor Doom even, which would still make a lot of sense because Doctor Doom would be possibly in New York. I mean, that's where the Baxter building would have been, so... And maybe, depending on who bought Stark Tower. Exactly. So, I mean, I see where the possibilities are. I just... Where the show is at yet, I'm not quite there. I feel like I'm not quite where the starting line is for that storyline. I, I, like... We've inched a little bit, but I I think it's coming, and I do. I like our idea that it's episode five is kind of that turning point for a lot of different aspects of the show. And then for me, really, the only other thing I just want to just throw out there and mention is our strange magician friend. How could I forget Donnie Blaze with a D? So in case you were curious, no, it is not Johnny Blaze aka Ghost Rider, which would have been awesome, but it's not. It's definitely a nod, though. Oh, yeah. I had to Google it, though. It's not even a nod. It's like an aggressive, like, you cut someone's head off and pretty much just shook it. Oh, I was gonna say a headbang, which was a whole lot less (laughs) violent than your analogy, so... (laughs) That definitely would have been so much better than what I said. I know. I was kind of like, oh, like, uh, and then you, like, started talking, and then it just kept getting worse, and I was like, oh, no. So sorry about that, listeners. In the future, I'll cut her off when she's being that way. Anyway. Well, I was just thinking, how can you shake a head more violently? A headband? I don't know. I was like, well, you're not going to shake the whole body, so it would make sense if it was like a head. Yep. Okay, great. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. Yes, so that is clearly a nod to our friend Johnny Blaze as Ghost Rider, but it is not him. It is a different character, so we do not have him yet. I think this is Marvel and specifically Kevin telling us in his own way to get ready because he's coming without introducing him in this show. So that was an exciting little tidbit. He was a total jerk, but his name got me really excited and I couldn't tell if I was hearing it wrong. And then I was like, I'm pretty sure his, I don't know a lot about him, but I'm pretty sure his origin story is not that he was a magician from Comertage. So that made me even more confused, but A good look up on the old Google told me that my suspicions were confirmed. It's not Johnny Blaze, Ghost Rider. Yeah, I I was in the same situation where I kept thinking I was hearing it. And then I was like, maybe that's his name. (laughs) Like, I almost gaslit myself (laughs) into thinking that it was him. And then I was like, but it just like doesn't quite sound right. And to your point, I don't think it was... I, I couldn't see it being introduced this way. So... And also, out of all the things of, like, weird ways you could introduce him, I think this probably would have been the strangest. Yeah. So I just was like, hmm, okay. But what I really thought was, like, a whole, and this was pretty much what the whole show was, uh, like, or this episode was based off of, was that idea of, like, he still had, and what is the name of it? Because I could not remember. A sling ring? Yes. I was like, this is bothering me. And it was like eating away at my brain while I was watching it. He still had a sling ring, which I thought was weird. If he was like kicked out of Comertage and he was out here. And Wong also knew he was actively out here using his sling ring to like try to do magic tricks. I also just want to say some of his actual magic tricks. I was like, why are people not impressed? I'm impressed. (laughs) Like some of them, I genuinely was sitting there and I was like, I didn't see, like, some, like, I think in the very first one, you see him, like, unhook the wire when he's done. You're just kind of like, oh, okay. But, like, some of the other ones, you didn't really see how he was doing them. So I was like, yeah, I'm kind of impressed here. Like, there's some that are actually interesting to watch, and these people don't care. But 
I thought it was weird that Wong actively knew this guy had a sling ring and just, you know, was sending people into other worlds and waited until now when the random girl ended up in his lounge or whatever <laughs> he was in to be like, yeah, you know, this is like a bad, a bad time. I need, I need some help. Well, I don't know that he knew that he was sending him to other dimensions. I think he knew he was using it on a small scale, but I think it's once he like did start sending people to other dimensions that he was like, all right. This has crossed the line. It's it's gone far enough now. He's actually actively endangering people. We're done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, either way, I thought it was funny because, like, regardless, why would he have let him keep the sling ring that whole time was kind of my thought. Whether or not he knew to what extent he was using it, I was like, that's dangerous. And that in the wrong hands yeah. is even more dangerous. And how hard is it to, for someone to have taken that from him? So I also thought that was, it's like, hmm. That, was that like an oversight that someone just wasn't paying attention to him and just was like, it's fine, he's fine. I don't know. It was weird. But it was interesting because, once again, it gives another kind of look into Comertage. I mean, we've seen even more of it from MOM and being able to see some more people training and everything else. So I, I like being able to see it from different perspectives, including a flunked-out student. Yeah, for sure. That was fun. Well, I am all out of thoughts for episode four of She-Hulk. You are nodding at me, which tells me that you feel the same. We are super excited for what we are calling the pivotal episode five, when we really start to change and morph into... Well, actually, you just reminded me. We couldn't remember if they were saying it was episode four or episode five that was going to be that big episode. And I had sworn I heard it was four. But after seeing four, it clearly wasn't four. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely is five. Now that I totally forgot about that. I was thinking about that a little earlier when we started talking about it. And then I couldn't remember what episode it was. So I didn't want to like talk out of turn. But I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, it clearly wasn't four. Yeah. Because we did not get much from four as far as pivotal level. Yeah, or like mind-blowing, or like changes the face of the MCU, like not so much. But yeah, so episode five is going to be awesome. Super, super excited for next week. I won't be here, listeners, so you're going to have Davis back with Katie. I'm a little bummed I don't get to talk about episode five. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, especially because it's supposed to be the big one. Yeah, I get to edit it, but I don't get to talk about it. So that kind of is rough, but I have a commitment, so it is what it is. But anyway, if you are looking forward to our coverage of episodes five through nine of She-Hulk, you can subscribe to our show on your podcast platform of choice if you haven't already. You can also give us a rating or a review just to let us know what you think of our coverage, any thoughts, any suggestions. We'd love to hear from you always. And you can also check out our Redbubble shop, which is linked below for merch, as well as our blog, where Katie does a ton of extra research to give you guys some extra context for the things we talk about on the episode, as well as things that we may have forgotten to talk about while live. Make sure you guys are also following us on Twitter at Let's Talk MFT. All of our blog and podcast episodes will be linked up on there as soon as they're coming out, along with any theories we might have had during the show, theories we're seeing online, memes, really everything is going to be on Twitter, so make sure you guys are following that. And also make sure you guys are signing up for our newsletter. The September one just came out about a week ago, so the October one will be coming up yeah, a little bit, but still make sure you guys are signing up so that goes right into your inbox on the very 1st of October. 
But until then, we're still covering She-Hulk. We'll be continuing to cover She-Hulk right into Wakanda forever. So make sure you guys are keeping up with us and keeping up with Marvel's content because Marvel just blew your mind. So let's talk about it. <laughs> 